Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. From KCBS Radio, I'm Matt Pittman, and this is Bay Current for Thursday, May 26th. It was one year ago today at the VTA rail yard in San Jose that nine families were crushed and changed forever when a 57-year-old substation maintainer opened fire, murdering nine fellow employees before turning a gun on himself, committing suicide. Beyond the far too commonplace ways which we all know that communities are rocked when mass shootings like this happen, this one exposed glaring issues and inadequacies within the Santa Clara Valley Transportation Authority. Among them, issues about resources for mental health treatment and workplace safety. My colleague Keith Menconi covers the South Bay for us at KCBS Radio. And one year ago today, Keith was on the scene. And in the years since, Keith has been tracking the fallout and healing process at the VTA and the San Jose community. And Keith is my guest today. I think it's important, Keith, just to look back at what happened one year ago today. Just to remind everyone, we're talking about May 26th last year when a disgruntled employee walked into the Guadalupe Light Rail Yard in San Jose and opened fire on his co-workers, killing nine of them and himself that day. Later, another co-worker who was also a witness to the event died by suicide. So by many people's reckoning, there were really 10 victims that day. Last year, KCBS spoke with one of the witnesses to the killings. Uh, his name is John Courtney, and he heads a union that represents VTA workers. He was at the rail yard to check in on his members the morning of May 26th. Uh, and in fact, Courtney says that he was speaking to the shooter, Samuel Cassidy, just moments before Cassidy opened fire. I turned my head, and the second that I turned my head away from Sam, he, I just started hearing cap, cap, cap. And at first I thought it had been a breaker. When he realized what was happening, Courtney dove into the corner of the room that they were in and waited for what would come next. As I'm, as I'm in the corner, um, I'm thinking to myself that I'm, my destiny is to get shot today and, and there's no getting around it. But the bullet that he was expecting never came. And eventually, Courtney did make it out of that room. Six others, though, did not. Courtney knew all the victims that day personally, and he saw the horror of their killings up close and personal. So no surprise here. This experience has haunted him ever since. Things were triggering me very easily, um, reminding me of the event, lashing out at people, lashing out at um, in meetings. It was really getting um, to a point where I couldn't sleep at night. I was waking up with night terrors. And because of that, a major focus in the weeks and months following has been mental health. Uh, questions, that is, about why Samuel Cassidy didn't get more support, why the many warning signs that he gave off, including uh, frequent altercations, frequent troubling behaviors at work, why that wasn't taken more seriously. And uh, it's this experience has also raised broader questions about the workplace culture at VTA as a whole. What are some of those bigger picture questions that VTA 
has been forced to address over the last year, Keith? Yeah, well, even at the best of times, uh, working in public transit is uh, an extremely high-pressure job. Just take bus drivers, for example. They're facing angry passengers. They are driving expensive equipment. And this shooting just added to the level of pressure that everyone was facing, this sense of overall trauma. And responding to all of that, VTA has taken a number of steps to address these concerns. I'll just tick through a couple of them right here. Uh, On the mental health side, officials with the transit agency say that it has introduced full-time mental health professionals, which are now available to all employees as well as their families and also to the family members of victims. VTA spokesperson Stacey Hendler-Ross sums up the work this way. Mental health wellness is a major priority at this agency now. It has been very important in the past, but certainly um, with the increased need that we see because of the tragedy, um, we're trying to rise to the occasion as much as possible to meet the needs of our employees. So certainly some pretty big changes at the agency over the past year uh, and changes that even its critics acknowledge is pretty meaningful. Well, how do the workers, how does a, a guy like John Courtney, the, the head of the union, and those with the boots on the ground, the, the drivers, the operators, the maintenance workers, the technicians, everyone, how have they responded to what VTA has offered them? It has been uh, quite a fractious time. There has been a lot of back and forth on these issues over the past year. But uh, John Courtney uh, is giving VTA credit for their work on mental health. Meantime, though, the other complaints around workplace culture, Courtney says those have seen significantly less progress. The problems are so deeply rooted that it's going to take a little more time, a lot more time. I think that the fact that we're talking about it um, is good, but bureaucracy is slow to move. Here we are a year later, and the question is, how much really has changed at VTA? Uh, What else could be done to make sure that workers who are struggling find support and, you know, ultimately make it less likely that an event like what we saw last year does not happen again. And where might those answers be? Well, for John Courtney, perhaps the most encouraging sign of change that he's seen so far is in the shifting attitudes towards mental health problems that he's seeing among workers at VTA. The stigma, in a lot of ways, uh, attached to um, the admission that you may be struggling with anxiety, depression, for myself, all of those, and PTSD, there's not such a resistance to be able to say that in front of others. And I think there's actually an encouragement when it is announced somebody does say that they are struggling um, with mental health health issues. It's also an invitation for others to be open to what they're struggling with and, and perhaps seek the resources that are now available that weren't necessarily available prior. So, you know, as he's saying right there, uh, an openness to that message that, you know, when you are struggling, it is okay to reach out for support. And uh, for Courtney and a lot of other people following this story, that is a very positive sign. Yeah. And obviously, today should be about the memory of the victims. And today, the people who are having the most difficult day probably since that day one year ago is the families of those victims because that one-year milestone i think any of us who've lost someone significant um even under normal circumstances know that the one-year anniversary there's just something different something special about it um 
What about the healing journey for family members and for those who were at work that day and lost their coworkers? What's the healing journey been like? Yeah, I put that exact question to Sue Cronin. She's a director for the Bill Wilson Center uh, who led a team of social workers that's been providing mental health support to uh, victims, family members, uh, lots of people who are affected by this tragedy. Actually, they arrived on site the very morning of the shooting. So they've been there since the beginning. And just as you say, uh, Sue Cronin says that in her experience, the one-year anniversary for these sorts of tragedies is a really important marker for a number of reasons. The first year is the year of first, the first birthday without your loved one, the first Christmas, the first Father's Day. And often uh, the surviving family members gear up for those firsts. And then after the first year is complete, year two feels like, and other people think it should go back to normal life. So it's incorporating that loss continuing into year two and beyond when there's not as much support around those holidays or birthdays after the first year. And so it's really important that friends and family continue to support the surviving family members in year two and beyond because that's when it can almost feel harder to start trying to live normal life when it's never going to feel like it did before. Just those acts of human kindness make a big difference. Yeah, no doubt about it. Keith, this is tremendous reporting. Thank you so much for your time and for your insights on, uh, I know it is a heavy day for the Bay Area community and for uh, everyone down in San Jose, but uh, it is important to look back and remember. So thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. And thank you for listening. New episodes of Bay Current are out every day. We'd love to be part of your daily routine. You can subscribe to us on the Odyssey app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're on YouTube on the KCBS Radio YouTube page. That's it for today's Bay Current. I'm Matt Pittman, and we'll chat with you again tomorrow. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 